You're now listening to the Live Different Podcast with Matt Wilson. Hey, Live Different Podcast listeners. If you have been part of our community for the first 15 episodes, you will know that we are always sponsored by our travel company, Under 30 Experiences, that goes all over the world, bringing awesome young people together. So we are actually on an epic road trip right now, which you can get involved with, under30experiences.com slash blog. Started out in Chicago to Kansas City, through Denver and Boulder, over the Teton Pass, up to Seattle, down to Portland, San Francisco, Los Angeles, to Vegas, the Grand Canyon. Let me think. My memory's getting a little bit fuzzy. My geography. Oh, here to Austin, where I'm standing right now by September 13th. Houston, New Orleans, Nashville, and back to Chicago by September 21st. Our last podcast guest, Rajiv Martin, and his co-founder of Idea Lemon, Martin McGovern, are going around the country talking to young people about their side projects that they are passionate about and helping people get noticed. So if you want to get involved, come check us out, under30experiences.com. We are coming to a city near you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Live Different Podcast. I am Matt Wilson, and I am here with my good friend, Brent B. Shore. Brent is the founder of Adventures. He has made 50 investments in early and late stage companies. And I wanted to talk to Brent uh, really about the mindset of evaluating entrepreneurs, of probably evaluating himself, probably <laughs> evaluating uh, people that you come across in everyday life, Brent. I think you have a pretty good intuition and uh, probably a pretty good handle on, on things. And uh, I just wanted to let everybody know that I consider you a freak of nature, Brent. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, uh, I'll take the uh, freak of nature as a, as a good thing. Uh, sometimes I think my wife would say not such a good thing, but yes. Well, you, uh, you're certainly doing a lot. You are up in wine country in Oregon right now, it, it sounds like. We were, just, uh, we were just catching up off camera, and uh, you said you were, doing a lot, you were doing a lot of work while you were on vacation. Is that right? Yeah, uh, yeah that's correct. Uh, it's always a mixture of uh, business and pleasure. I think that the uh, uh, you know, people that try to separate the two uh, end up failing in one or the other, so I just kind of mix and match as, as it works out. I would say, is there, uh, I, I guess I can, st let's, ju let's just start with the tough questions right off the bat. Is there, any, <laughs> is there anything, any such thing as work-life balance? Uh, you know, I, 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 I used to say absolutely not. Um, but I do, think, I do think people have to be cognizant of um, what, what they consider to be things they don't enjoy in their lives, right? So I would consider, like, for me, um, work would be like going home and working on my house, right? I just hate it. Like, it's just not my thing. <laughs> so for me, like, if you talk about work-life balance, for one person going home and working on their house and like, you know, trimming bushes and fixing their gutters would be like a relaxing, like something they enjoy doing. Um, and that would be like considered life for them. Um, that's considered work for me. Whereas what I usually do, quote unquote, when I'm in the office or, you know, sort of the, the professional side, uh, I love it. So... Uh, I can do a lot of it and not feel stressed about it and not feel uh, like I'm trying to quote unquote get away from it. So I, I don't know. I think it's important though for people if, if you, you know, and, and everyone, you know, goes through different seasons in their life. Uh, um, I've certainly gone through my ups and downs and, uh, you know, it's important to understand and sort of recognize what you enjoy and what you don't enjoy and to make sure you're balancing at least some of the stuff that you're enjoying, you know, as you, as you're able with the uh, stuff that you're not as excited about, at least in the moment. Okay, I, I like that. And the, the ups and downs, I guess, um, while we're on the topic of work-life balance. So we met three years ago, maybe a little bit longer than that. So we, went, uh, we went on what I would like to call an epic trip to Iceland. <laughs> that, was, that was a hell of a trip, just the group that we had together. Uh, sure. We went to the Startup Iceland conference. We chased sheep uh, until all odd hours of the evening. Um, yeah, that can come off wrong, but yes, we did, uh, we did uh, chase sheep after a few drinks. I we, think. we did chase sheep, um, and I don't even know, I, now I'm totally off track now that we're talking <laughs> about sheep. Oh, but uh, we, we had a panel at the Startup Iceland conference, and one of the things that you talked about is how early in your career, 
you didn't have much of a work-life balance, or at least your own personal health had suffered. Yeah. Um, do you, can you kind of can you go in a little bit into that for the audience as to uh, what you know what it was like early in your in your yep. state in your career, and maybe you had to prove something, and now what your focus is. Yeah, so um, you know, I guess the, the the college joke is the freshman fifteen, and I I think I put on the uh, entrepreneur fifty uh, when I first started the businesses. I was you know solely focused on trying to make things work and meeting payroll, and um, you know just trying to trying to be be something. Um, and uh, you know, as a consequence, I didn't pay attention at all to my health and any sort of physical activity. I think I literally didn't work out for like three years, uh, like not even a single like time uh, for like three years. Um, and not that necessarily that's terrible, but when you combine not working out and any physical activity with uh, the diet, which was um, as much crap as I could shovel down, I'm a stress eater uh, and I've always, I've always struggled with my weight. And so, um, uh, you combine all that into a, a cocktail of putting on 50 ish pounds, maybe even a little bit more in the course of, Oh gosh, five years. Um, so yeah, I, I basically did like almost the freshman 15 every year for a long time. Um, and uh, woke up one day and uh, saw a picture of myself and hopped on the scale and uh, I was a deuce and a half and uh, at five foot ten realized that was not a sustainable thing and I was starting to look more and more like Jabba the Hut and uh, you know you're uh, pretty, being pretty harsh on yourself well, here, it's Brett. true though. I mean, it's true. I uh, um, you know you sort of got to face up to reality, right? And um, so I so I decided to to try to do something different. I'd, I'd tried a whole bunch of diets in the past and I typically. I mean, I was the definition of yo-yo dieting, and so I um, basically decided to treat myself as uh, as one of our companies and and try to actually get um, sustainably healthy. Um, so that was three years ago, I want to say, um, maybe a little more than three years ago. If we had met three years ago, yeah, it's probably about three and a half years ago then. Um, and uh, so I've read virtually every book out there on health and, and fitness uh, and wellness, and um, you know had to really make up my mind where I came down. There's a lot of comp you know competing, conflicting advice out there, and um, so I just started. I mean, I started calling authors. I started uh, really it was a quest um, for me, just a personal uh, thing to really understand how my body worked, uh, you know, at a cellular level and metabolically, and to try to figure out you know if I was gonna. You know, here I am. You know, proud of the, my ability to sort of hack around things professionally and and you know get things get things on the right track. And I couldn't even control my own weight. You know, kind of embarrassing. So um, the net result of that is that um, dropped a bunch of weight and uh, increased uh, my health. You know, all the biomarkers for my health. And um, you know, I've had ups and downs uh, over the last three years. I'm still not thin by any means, but my build is such that that's probably never going to be the case. But I'm feel very healthy, um, you know, um, try to, you know, strike a balance between not being too obsessed with it, but uh, also, uh, you know, being healthy for the long term. So that's, that's really cool. And I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled that you're able to, to share that story. And with such honesty, um, you said that you treat yourself like one of your companies. And I really, I really appreciate that because you were able to, to look in the mirror, just as you were able, you were able to look at a deal coming across your desk, or look uh, at an entrepreneur who comes to you with with an idea, if it's early stage or something like that, and and really, it's usually most difficult to be honest with yourself. Would you say that's uh, would you say that's a true oh my statement? Gosh. Oh my gosh, yeah. Um, uh, somebody said the other day is a great quote: uh, "Wisdom is the ability to take your own advice." Mm. Um, and uh, man, I, that just I, you talk about hitting home. I so much easier to see what uh, you know what what other people need to be doing. And when you look at yourself, it's so easy to just uh, to bullshit yourself into believing that uh, everything's great. That's the way we can sleep at night, right? Sure. <laughs> so uh, justification uh, is a is a heck of a heck of a tool. Um, but yeah, it's it's been an interesting journey, and I mean, I, I think you know, for your listeners, um, really taking it seriously and understanding, um, you know, if unless you really get down to the science of it, and I'm fortunate because my wife's a PhD in molecular microbiology, so I have like an expert at home that I can, um, you know, when I don't understand what something means, I can just ask her, and she can figure it out and tell me what's you know 
what's going on in like you know six year old talk. Um, but uh, uh, but you know I think it's really important for people to fundamentally understand what's really going on in their bodies. Right? You only get you only get one vehicle for this life, and uh, if you beat the crap out of it, um, you know it, it's not going to end up well. Uh, and so, you know, there's a lot of competing advice and until you really understand what's going on, it's really hard to decipher, right? Some people are like, oh, you, you know, shouldn't eat any fat and other people are eat, eat high fat. And, and the answer is it really depends, right? Um, different people's bodies. But I think there's a, there's a theme and a, and a line of thinking that's really, um, highly scientifically based, um, that's coming out. And I think that, you know, people should really pay attention to it. I was telling you earlier, um, you know, probably the person I, I believe has it most right of anybody and is looking at it the correct way. Um, is a gentleman by the name of Peter Atia. Um, he's out of Southern California. Um, and, um, you know, he really, he really is super thoughtful running a not-for-profit in the, in the space that's basically been, some people have called the Manhattan Project, uh, for health and wellness. And, um, really, really just absolutely amazing what's going on there. So I'd highly encourage you, you know, Google his name. Um, he's got a blog, um, you know, really read through some of his stuff and, uh, and, and figure out for yourself, see what you believe. Um, but yeah, that kind of is my viewpoint. Yeah, for sure. And we, we can link up all the resources on the show notes on under30ceo.com and, and all of that. I, I wanted to get back to, to, you know, treating yourself as one of your companies. You mentioned that you have biomarkers and uh, Peter Atia is one of these guys in this quantified self movement. Is that right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, you know, I wouldn't consider Peter. I mean, Peter draws his own blood and has his own uh, spinner in his house. So, I mean, he's he's on a whole other level. And but he's not doing it. I think there's the you know there's a a quantified self movement that's like people are obsessed with um, with the data. And I don't think he's one of those guys. I mean, I think the data tells him things, but he's not like doing it to be cool to have the data right. Like the people that wear like three fitness trackers, right, right. which tell which tell you about nothing right now. Pretty much. Uh, yeah, and, and I think that uh, he, I, so I wouldn't put him, I, I would put, um, um, I, I would put him in the category of hardcore science okay. is the way I would describe him. Um, I think if you're going to look at, you know, um, biohacking, I, you know, I think there's, there's some other uh, people out there that, uh, depending on how far you want to get out, uh, would represent that category a little bit better. Okay. What, what are some of the biomarkers that, that you use? And um, I really appreciated that you said, well, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, this high fat diet or if it's the paleo or if it's the, you know, if you want to be vegan or vegetarian or, or whatever. Uh, it also has to do, yeah, there's this quantified self and, you know, you can wear a million Fitbits. And as you said, I don't think they necessarily tell you all that much, but the number of steps you took that day. But, you know, for example, yesterday I got back from the gym and I try to eat, you know, I try to eat a very low carb diet, but sure. I just needed a sweet potato. I just, <laughs> honestly, I just, my body was craving something. Sure. And because I have been working out a lot because I'm back in the States and I, I just needed a, a sweet potato. That's all. That's all I needed. But my body knew that, and I'm I'm in touch with that enough uh, yep. to be able to know what works for me and what doesn't. And uh, and I'm curious what biomarkers that that you sure. use in addition to your intuition. Yeah. Well, and, and first of all, if, if you're big cheat and like, you know, the, the thing you're confessing to is eating a sweet potato, I think, I think you'll be okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah so and it made I, me feel amazing by the yeah, way. Um, and, 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 uh, obviously the, the research, a lot of the research shows that, um, you know, the, the more you're, especially doing, um, high intensity exercise, uh, the more carbs, like there's, there's a term out there, earn your carbs, right? So if you're going to do a heavy workout, you can eat more carbs, right? And that's perfectly fine because your body's primed to absorb those, right? You're burning the glycogen out of your muscles. Um, the sweet potatoes, you know, it's not spiking your insulin because it's being absorbed so quickly into your, into your, uh, well, your liver and then your, um, um, your muscle, um, tissue. But, um, but yeah, in terms of, uh, you know, biomarkers, I mean, I've done some blood testing. Um, to be honest, I, you know, I'm not trying to be an elite athlete and I'm not trying to be at, you know, 7% body fat, right? Like I want to live a good, long, healthy life. Um, and I want to be able to, you know, 
hike when I want to hike and bike when I want to bike and, and you know, uh, do that. So I'm really more focusing on quality of life metrics than anything else. So snoring for me is a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, if I start snoring, it means that I have inflammation in my body. Um, um, and uh, thank goodness, because that used to be a huge issue with me uh, when I was a deuce and a half uh, it was like a freight train came through the came through the bedroom every night, and not in a good way. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, but anyway, so I, you know, I say I say snoring. I say um, how my my hunger levels are really good indicators. So um, if you're eating low glycemic, right, uh, which is probably more low carb uh, than anything, you know, the 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 nice thing about it is you rarely get that like hungry, angry, or as my wife calls it, hangry type feeling, right? Sure. Uh, it's really, uh, it's really nice in terms of uh, the ability to sort of uh, eat when you want to eat and, and never have that ravenous feeling. And, and, and occasionally if I spike my insulin, um, especially multiple times in a day, um, the next couple days I have this like, you know, just desire to get after every food I can possibly see, right? Um, and I think that's another sort of, you know, I consider that a, a pretty major marker. Um, Sleep quality uh, kind of links up with snoring, but sleep quality is another one that, uh, you know, the more that, that I can, uh, uh, you know, sleep so, somewhere between seven, six and a half and eight hours uh, a night, um, and I try not to set an alarm clock, uh, but the more I'm waking up and the tougher the nights are, usually signals are something going on in my body that's uh, it's a little weird. Um, yeah, I don't know. Other than that, I mean, retaining fitness is something that's interesting. Um, I've noticed that um, I can go a pretty long time if I get, you know, super busy. And and again, I'm not trying to focus on being an elite athlete, but I can, I can retain my fitness a lot better. So I can not do anything and then go out and if I want to and run a pretty hard mile and, you know, not having run for a month or something like that. Um, so that's kind of another another little marker, but. I don't know. We're kind of getting into the weeds now. <laughs> no, no, but I, I, I really do like how you have basic things that people could literally just make a checklist and say, oh, was I, was I angry today? Did I sleep through the night? Kelly Starrett had a, had a good one for men. Did I wake up with a heart on? How is my <laughs> testosterone levels? You know, I mean, these are pretty, yep. these yep. are pretty cut and dry things here. And uh, all of them are affected. All of them are affected by, uh, by that. Yeah, and I was gonna say it's also really interesting. I'm seeing a bunch of my friends right now. Um, you know, I'm in I'm in my early 30s, 32, and I have you know a lot of friends in their late 30s, early 40s, and you know, I, it's shocking to me. A lot of these people are you know going on statins. Um, you know, I had a I had a friend of mine who uh, you know confessed to me. He's like, I I went on a statin, and they also gave me Viagra, and I'm like, dude, you're 38 years old. Wow. Like. That's something is fundamentally wrong. And he was like, well, my doctor didn't seem too worried. He just said that's part of getting older. And I was like, no, that's not part oh of getting older. God. Like you're, anyway, it's, I think that, like I said, the, the best advice I'd be is take your health seriously, read about it, face the music. If you need Viagra at the age of 38, something fundamentally is going on. If your doctor is prescribing you statins, really at any point, I mean, I'm not a medical doctor and this shouldn't be taken as medical advice, but you should really read up on statins, really read up on cholesterol and actually what it is. I mean, most physicians don't actually even know. Ask ask your physician to explain what cholesterol is. Um, and most physicians, surprisingly, uh, in my experience, can't even explain what cholesterol is. Um, so, uh, but they're prescribing medication to lower it uh, Regardless. So anyway. Sure. Sure. No, I completely agree. And and one other question on this, this topic. So when I say that you're a freak of nature, you told me one time you said, oh, uh, we we were hanging out and you said, yeah, well, uh, that was the, you mentioned a book and you said that was one of the best books uh, that I, that I had read. And I said, oh, like ever or this year? And he, and you said, no, no, last week when I was on vacation, I was like, Brent, how many books did you read? And you're like, oh, 12 to 15 or some, some ridiculous number. So you're, you're the type of guy who will absorb, when you said I literally read every health and fitness book, this is not yeah. probably all that far from the truth. And then you go as far as to calling the authors and getting on the phone with them or emailing them your questions. Yeah, it can be really annoying. (laughs) That's uh, for anybody who does not have superhuman capabilities to read 12 (laughs) or 15 books in a week. Is that what's a good 
just a starting point or where we, if there's a, yeah, what's a good starting point for people? Uh, in terms of research or in terms of the behavioral changes? Well, I think really everyone needs to take health into their own, into their own hands, right? As you just, sure. as you just said, doctors have been trained to do a certain thing and they're doing the best that they can right. with the limited uh, system that they fall into. So everyone pretty much needs to figure this stuff out for themselves. Right. So if you were trying to figure this out for yourself, but you didn't have superhuman freak abilities, <laughs> what would you do? So I think the, the first thing I'd probably uh, read is a, is a book called Why We Get Fat by Gary Tobbs. Okay. Um, I think Gary does a good job. I've actually gotten to know Gary was one of the guys that I annoyed and and, uh, harassed to, uh, and I've had lunch with him, um, gosh, probably four or five times at this point, um, and talked through a lot of the stuff. Um, you know, he's definitely got a point of view, um, but he makes some very, very thoughtful uh, arguments. And when you understand the history of how we got scared of fat and how we got scared into eating a lot higher carbohydrates and into eating all kinds of, you know, man-made food-like substances that that really aren't even. I mean, have almost zero nutritional value. He does a really good job of putting it in historical perspective. So I'd, I'd say that's an interesting place to sort of uh, whet your appetite. Um, you know, it, to dive further into, um, you know, how your body works, um, you know, I'd probably say the perfect health diet by Paul Jaminet um, is, is a pretty good place to start as well. Um, um, if you want to read more articles, Mark Sisson, Primal Blueprint. Now, don't get obsessed with the whole paleo or primal thing. I, you know, I think, I think it's kind of bullshitting in my opinion, but it has a lot of good grounded in science type things. And then in terms of, let's see, in terms of exercise physiology and what you're actually trying to do when you work out, um, there's a wonderful book by, um, two doctors uh, named McGuff and Little. Uh, it's called Body by Science. Um, and it, it basically talks about what's the minimal amount of work needed to achieve maximal results, which for busy people, um, which probably everyone who's listening to this podcast is pretty darn busy, um, it's really a godsend um, to be able to understand how physiologically your body responds to stimulus and exercise. I mean, that is stimulus, you know, exercise is a stimulus. Um, so it's really trying to, trying to get a good handle on that. I think that'd be a pretty good, um, pretty good background. And like I said, if you really want to get into it, reading Peter Atiyah's, um, Peter Atiyah's blog, um, uh, it's called Eating Academy, uh, eatingacademy.com. And, uh, he does, he does a, a marvelous job. He's difficult to read sometimes because he is so science-based. Um, but you can get the hang of it and you really, you, at least at the very minimum, you'll understand that there's people really taking a hard look at this stuff and, uh, uh, you know, trying to help people out there. That's, uh, that's really cool. And a, definitely a good place to start. And again, we can link some of the stuff up sure. in the, in the show notes. So, so kind of changing gears because, your, the point of life to you is not necessarily to, uh, to be an elite athlete or to be on such a regimented diet that you never have any fun in life. Yep. What, so you, okay, so, so you do all this stuff and then what does that, what does that fuel in your opinion? Meaning, um, obviously you have your business, obviously you have your, your family and the sure. fun stuff that you like to do, but where, where do you go? Now you have your baseline and, uh, you have this part of your life, uh, quote unquote, taken care of, you know, to, to, you're paying attention to it and that, and now what? Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, to me, um, what I'm trying to achieve is to do what I love in, in a place that I enjoy with people that I admire, right? That's kind of my, my slogan that, that, um, it really, I think you can't go wrong if you do those things. And so I'm very fortunate. Um, I've, I've started businesses, I've bought businesses, sold businesses. Um, I've just always been, since I was a small child, like I've just been obsessed with capitalism and really interested in, in the wonderful things it can bring. I was a, um, poverty studies, um, uh, uh, minor, I guess you could call it in college, uh, was one of the first classes to actually have that designation. And, uh, I'm really interested in how, um, the capitalist system, you know, the profit motive in particular, um, can lead to extremely positive, um, changes for, for a lot of people, which, you know, um, I don't know if it's somewhat unpopular, uh, today to, to hold that viewpoint, but, um, you know, my, my entire career, uh, has been based around, um, solving problems, um, for, um, 
you know, customers and um, trying to partner with people that I really enjoy working with. And, and I've been successful and not successful at, at, at all those things at various points in my career. Um, you know, it's, it, it's easy from the outside to look at uh, somebody's career trajectory and say, oh, wow, he's been successful or, you know, whatever that, that means. Um, and it's never a straight line. So, you know, I don't know in terms of the average age of your, of your listener base, but, um, you know, I think for the most part, everyone's living other people's highlight reels. Um, you know, and, and my wife and I joke, and this is the same thing on the business side, but my wife and I joke that the, uh, there's a directly inverse, re, uh, uh, relationship between how much you praise your spouse on Facebook and what your relationship's <laughs> actually like. Um, you know, we have, we have friends that, you know, they'll be like, oh, happy birthday to the love of my life. It's been a wonderful three years, blah, blah, blah. And, and just last week they were telling us, you know, that, that they were thinking about getting a divorce, right? Like, wow. you know, it, so I think that, you know, business-wise is the same way. Um, you know, I hit the quote-unquote young entrepreneur circuit pretty hard early in my career. I've been at this for, gosh, pushing eight eight plus years now. Um, and, uh, you know, early on got some notoriety and, you know, as Matt, obviously under 30 CEO, I mean, you know, as the under 30 crowd, I mean, got some notoriety and I, you know, a lot of those people that were talking the biggest games back then, uh, a lot of those people are out of business. Right. Sure. And so just, you know, just being aware of, of, you know, everyone has a playbook they're talking, and me included, right? Um, but everyone has a playbook that that they're that they're talking through, and and not to get too swept up in other people's games. I mean, I think Matt, that's one thing I admire most about you is you know you've just said, hey, I want to do what I love, and I love traveling, and I love interacting with young people and helping them in any way I can. And I mean, God, man, that's that's perfect, right? Like everyone's got to find their own path. So, um, you know, as long as I can continue to do what I love. Um, and uh, do it in places that I enjoy with people that I admire and appreciate, um, then I'm, I'm good to go. That's awesome, and I, I appreciate that, Brent. I think sometimes just uh, holding your, actually being disciplined to only opening up Facebook once or twice a day, or, you know, <laughs> you know the Inc. 30 Under 30 comes out, well, guess what? I didn't actually read it this year. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know who's on there, and, um, and, and sometimes that's okay because then you, you know, you're always chasing what everybody else wants as opposed exactly. to, to what you really want. So that's, exactly. uh, yeah, it's no, that's like really, yes. Right. Oh, like, like course. if you look at the past, like if you look at the ink 30 under 30, like I know a bunch of those people and there's some incredibly awesome, thoughtful, successful people. There's also a bunch of pretenders on that every year. Right. Like it's not like just because some magazine somehow like deems people to be successful, like you need to use your own judgment. There's plenty of people with lots of money that are idiots. And there's plenty of people that have almost no money that are brilliant and they're awesome people. I mean, so much of life is, is luck. I mean, it just is, right? Like I, I look at everything that we've ever done that quote unquote has been successful and it feels like luck has played a, an enormous part, right? And luck on the downside too, when we've gotten unlucky, but, but you know, all you can do is just keep putting yourself in a position to, to, to be successful. And sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't. Um, and I think that's where, you know, really redefining what successful means, um, you know, to stay sane is really important. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And um, for me, I just had to kind of remove myself from that whole, from that whole situation, from the whole, all the pretentiousness and all of the, um, you know, the, the glitz and glamour, especially in New York and where everybody, everybody is involved in the different media outlets, et cetera. And it's just a bunch of people making a bunch of fluff and yep. most of the money isn't theirs it you know isn't actually theirs anyway they just yeah. raised it on a big valuation and and are running around uh <laughs> you know and are running around with it and, and that's fine but i had to go to the jungle for a couple of years Brent. yeah yeah well i think it's probably good and plus i mean after reading that vanity fair article about tinder i'm just surprised people can do anything besides uh just play around on tinder and have sex all day so jeez oh, well uh <laughs> You know, we're gonna move on from we're gonna move on from that one. But uh, I wanted to get back to what you said about capitalism and how it can be a really uh, a really good thing, and how it can be looked at as a little bit of a dirty a dirty word. But you studied when you did this poverty study. Was this in um, was this in South Africa where you went to school? No, no, that was uh, that I, I went to I studied international law in South Africa. That was okay. a law school. 
Um, no, I went to a school called Washington and Lee in Lexington, Virginia, um, which is little known, but it's a really amazing school. Uh, ninth oldest school in the nation, the oldest non-Ivy. And uh, I, you know, coming from Joplin, Missouri, growing up, I went there because, uh, well, two reasons. It had produced the most presidents and CEOs of any school in the nation. And um, it was the year that I went, the number two party school in the nation. Um, so okay. I uh, uh, I was looking for a combination of good social experience and uh, to hopefully set my career up uh, to be um, well, to be extraordinary, um, which I don't know how much you know. It's tough to link different things together, um, but uh, um, but yeah, I, uh, um, I I got a great education. I met a, a uh, really a mentor of mine named Harlan Beckley. Um, I finished uh, all my major requirements at the end of my sophomore year, so I basically had two years to uh, major in college, and um, ended up taking an introduction to poverty uh, class, and uh, just really fell in love with. Um, the ability to marshal resources and the complexity of the subject, right? You talk about an incredibly complicated uh, topic, which apparently everyone has an opinion on, and very few people have actually done the work to justify that opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, rural poverty being so different than urban poverty, and and you know how much of it is the choices you make, and how much of it is the is the uh, environment you're brought up in, and you know, it's just all those things. Uh, it's just complicated, right? Just, I mean, people are. People are complicated, and, and poverty is no different. Um, so, uh, you know, it really opened my eyes. One of the nice things I, you know, ashamed to say, I, I thought, oh my gosh, all that, you know, the poverty program's got to be a bunch of, you know, super liberal, uh, you know, uh, type people that are, you know, just just trying to stick it to the man and all that. And they couldn't have been more opposite. I mean, the the gentleman uh, that I that became my mentor, Harlan Beckley, was, um, you know, just so balanced and so thoughtful about. The goods, you know, the good and the bad side of business, and uh, and you know how it can really contribute to uh, to a better world. So it was a really great experience. That's that's really cool. And if if somebody is listening and wants to uh, maybe get involved in a capitalist project or, or social entrepreneurship project, um, and they are evaluating a, an idea maybe that they have or a uh, organization that they'd like to get involved with. What is you know what should they kind of kind of look for because there are there's I don't want to say there's a right way and a wrong way to to do it um, but a lot of you know a lot of the a lot of these systems are flawed so I'm curious in your uh, in your opinion what are some of the the models that are are working? Yeah, you know. I've gone back and forth on this. Um, I uh, there was a period of time in my life where I, um, you know, I thought that that businesses should be very um, altruistically focused and have a social mission. And I got to be honest, I've seen so many of those businesses flame out, and they just didn't have the economics to be sustainable. Um, I also think it's really dangerous. You know, an organization is a collection of people, and every everybody's going to have a different. Um, passion and a different focus. And it's really hard. I'm not saying this is universal, but I'm just saying in general, um, it's really hard to get 50 people or 30 people or even 10 people to sort of be of the mindset that we're working day in and day out to support the same social cause. Um, and especially as people evolve throughout their lives, right? Uh, you know, people get more interested and less interested in things. So, I got to be honest, where I've come down is that the the best thing you can do to support your, the cause that you feel passionate about that, um, and this even extends to like sort of the entrepreneurial community building as well, the most successful way that you can support that is just to be successful yourself, right? I mean, to have resources that you can deploy uh, into things that you feel strongly about. And so, you know, I've talked to quite a few people who, who, it feels like they're like, oh, well, I want to do this business, but we're going to tack on this social component, right, to it, and that's what's going to make it awesome, right? So, like, we're going to do ticketing, but instead of just general, like, ticketing, we're going to ticket with every dollar from every ticket goes to support a charity. And it's like, that's just not, like, it's just not, I don't think, a very sustainable and good way to do things. I think that if you want to be excellent at ticketing, uh, right, I'm talking about, like, you know, uh, concert ticketing or whatever, right? That type of thing. Sure. If you want to be excellent at that, like be the best in the world at that thing. Um, do really, really well. Treat your employees really well. Like be a beacon of of what you want to see in the world. 
but also make money and use that money in whichever way. I mean, that's the owner's prerogative, right? That's what that's what allows capitalism to be successful is you can direct resources, uh, you know, however you think. Um, and so, you know, I would I would encourage anybody who's out there who's thinking about, you know, sort of social cause type thing. Uh, I would say either go and work directly for a not-for-profit in that space and sort of dedicate your life to, to, to really solving that issue that way, like through your labor, or um, go and make money and then deploy those resources towards whatever you feel like uh, is the change you want to see in the world. I think when you get in the middle between those two things, I think it gets really squishy and complicated. And, um, yeah, I, I see a lot of issues with that, so... Hmm, may not be may not be a popular opinion, but that's. that's no, I mean it, it. it's uh, it, it, you've certainly put some thought into it, and I'm staring uh, at I'm staring at a bag of Tom, of Tom's Roasting Company's uh, <laughs> coffee, which I didn't even know that they had. Um, but it's you know it's another interesting example, and and in my opinion, as long as as long as you're trying to do something good in the world for the right reasons, then that's. Uh, to me, that's what's important. Um, sure. You know, if you're like, oh, we're going to do this one-for-one one model, and well, we're going to make ninety. You know, we're going to make ninety-nine percent of the money, and then we're going to throw a couple pennies to uh, whomever who looks disadvantaged, so that we look good. Well, that's right. clearly not the right way to well, to do it. Right, and I think there's also the law of unintended consequences. Right. Sure. I mean, I think you know this has been this has been pretty well um, demonstrated by like Tom Shoes being a good example of that, right? Um, I mean, that the, there's a lot of good things that Tom's did, and there's also some things that were, you know, unintended that were the repercussions that put a lot of people out of business that say we're making shoes in the region they deployed shoes to, um, that actually, you know, had negative ramifications on the local economy and on the people. And um, so, you know, I, I, I think, again, you got to be really careful. It's so easy, um, unfortunately, if we're talking about the United States, to be, you know, sort of mostly white and mostly privileged, especially in the historical context, to be, you know, oh, we know better. We'll just give people shoes. Like, that's awesome, right? Um, I think in reality, when the rubber meets the road, it's just a lot more complicated than that. And not to say that Tom Shoes is a bad organization by any means. It's not. It's fantastic. It's just there's a lot of, you know, a lot of unintended consequences um, that it's, it's, it's easy to say, you know, kind of fly at 30,000 feet and not see the complexity. No, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, I don't think Tom's is, is all bad necessarily either. Uh, of course, there's the argument that nobody ever died because they didn't have shoes. Well, that's, right. probab that's probably true, and they're probably sure. right, more altruistic. But ha haters are going to hate, and people are going are gonna to say my altruistic cause is better than your altruistic cause and uh, Monday morning quarterbacks and, <laughs> and all of that. So. Okay, so I, I want to get into really uh, the mindset that you look for when you're evaluating an entrepreneur or just a human being in general uh, who comes to you with an idea and more on the kind of the personal development side of things or not like, I mean, maybe you say, okay, hey man, you have this idea, but are you going to be alive in five years? Are you, did you come from McDonald's to my office? You know, maybe you do that, but I'm just curious what, um, what you do when you evaluate, at least on the, the personal side of things. Yeah. yeah. So, um, wow, that's a, it's a really tough question. How do I, how do I basically judge people? Um, I, you know, one of the things I like to do is, is usually eat a meal with them and, and mm. watch how they treat the wait staff. <laughs> that's, oh, wow. that's one of my, uh, one of my favorite things to do. You can tell a lot about a person by, uh, how they, how they treat somebody that's in a, um, position of inferior power to them. Right. Um, and um, it's probably going to be a pretty good indicator. And, and, and by the way, it's not just to say, I mean, how many times I haven't been out to many meals where the person's like abusive, right? That's a pretty much a, you know, do not pass go type thing. Right. But it's not even so much that. It's more of like how, how much do they even pay attention to that person and, and sort of do they thank them for refilling their water glass, right? Or they, is it sort of just expected? Um, you know, just little things like that. Um, so I would say, you know, I'd say that's one thing. I mean, I, uh, I, I, um, Gosh, how do I evaluate people? You know, I think another big one is is 
how much work is somebody willing to put in to achieve the things that they want to achieve? And I say that because it, it feels like that 97% of the population, um, we all, I mean, look, we all have hopes and dreams, right? We all have goals. And it seems like 97% of the population, though, isn't willing to do what it takes to achieve those and just wants it to be sort of given to them. And if it doesn't happen quickly, um, somebody's to blame. And, you know, I always try to talk to people about, you know, tell me about things that, you know, what's not worked out. And when you listen to people talking about the failures they've had in their life, it's pretty telling what they pin on those. Is it is it outside of their locus of control or do they take responsibility for it, right? Um, and, and how hard did they fight? Um, and not to say, honestly, that you know, I think Seth Godin, um, not that I'm a huge Seth Godin fan, but I, I think he's got some interesting quips. Um, he, uh, I think he said, you know, the success in life is uh, uh, sticking with the right stuff and quitting the wrong stuff. Like, yeah, amen. Figuring out which is the right stuff to, you know, stick with and what's the wrong stuff to quit is is the real issue. And, and so I'm not necessarily saying that I... I'm going to judge somebody who says, you know, I tried this for a year and it just didn't work out. Like, as long as their thoughtfulness is there um, and they weren't just like, oh, shit, it got hard and so I'm going to try something else. Like, everything is hard. Like, everything's hard. <laughs> and if you think something's going to be easy, it's because you don't see complexity, right? Like, if anything new, right, I used to follow this exact I think I wrote an article about this a couple months ago, but I used to follow this exact, you know, pattern of like, oh, look at that market. That'll be easy to, to penetrate. That'll be easy to, to make money in. That'll be easy to build a company around. Like, look, it's so simple. Like, here's the need. We can fulfill it. Like, yay, right? And then you get into it and you're like, oh my God, this is really hard. Like, everything's hard, right? So I think that's another, another big one is just making sure that people, um, you know, live in reality, um, so uh, maybe the, the, the last piece I would say I'd really look at is their ability to learn. Um, I think that um, some people um, feel like they're a static, you know, they're sort of static in their sense of like, I do what I do, I know what I know. Uh, they're not really looking to learn and grow, and I think that's a really dangerous position to be in. Um, the people I've seen that, that, that have been successful, regardless of the metric of success, have been people who are constantly just have a have a desire to to get better and sort of wake up every day and learn something new and and uh, meet somebody new and and all of that and so I think those are the those are probably the three three major drivers in my opinion. That's yeah, that's that's really cool. I've I've read Seth Godin's book called The Dip. And yep. I, I don't I think know where it's from. Yep. Yeah, um, and he he basically talks about when it is a good time to quit and when you just have to keep on going because unless you get through the dip, you'll never get to the other side. I mean, it's very, it's very basic advice, uh, but it is a motivational book and uh, I've read it once or twice. Yeah. And I think when I was in a, a position where it was either, all right, either tear this thing up and, and find something new or just get through the dip. And if anything, if anybody's in a tough spot, I would definitely recommend the book, uh, but in in your opinion, how do you, how do you evaluate uh, when you should just tear something up and uh, and start over, or when you should try to get through the proverbial dip? Yeah, I mean, I think the 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 best way to look at. So okay, so life is life is just an accumulation of decisions, right? And most of them are tiny and and seemingly meaningless, but they but they add up, right? And and I think that you need to, especially on the big decisions, but hopefully in all decisions, you got to look probabilistically, right? And say, look, the the future's uncertain, the future's murky. Um, what what is the odds that I think this is going to be successful? And how much risk and pain can I tolerate in order to get there? And what are my opportunity costs, right? And so, you know, each person that's different and how you gauge um, the likelihood of success is sometimes feels pretty arbitrary. But I mean, that's the only thing that I can do to sort of how do you make decisions, right? Like that's, it's tough, right? And we have all these, you know, um, uh, the, the psychology side of it, I mean, if you get a chance to read Daniel Kahneman's Thinking Fast and Slow, which is like a tomb on, on this um, um, t 
topic, I mean, we have so many biases, right? And we have so many ways in which we deceive ourselves. Um, but as long as you can just really think through and be honest with yourself, I mean, intellectual honesty is just an incredibly important thing. Um, and just think probabilistically. Think about what are the odds of success? What are the, what's the upside? What's the downside? And um, what else? What other options do you have? And so, I mean, that all sort of those dials all equal making some decision. But I think a lot of people just gosh, I mean, it feels just like emotional reactions, right? And sort of the first thing that pops into their head, they just do it. And then they get committed and they don't want to look, um, uh, what is it, wishy-washy, right? And they don't want to look like they uh, stop and start things. So they end up sticking with things they shouldn't. They end up making decisions in a really haphazard way. Um, and sometimes it works out, right? Like luck plays a part. So, you know, um, it's not to say it's all, uh, uh, it's all bad, but it's just, it, it feels like a pretty random way to live life. Brent, are you into kind of the uh, the flow state, as in when something's going wrong, uh, going wrong, and you say, "Wait a second, I'm getting a lot of signs right now that this might not work out," uh, versus the person who you say, "Hey, how hard is this person going to work to achieve their dreams?" But they keep banging their head against the uh, against the wall. They're a bull in a china shop, and this is probably <laughs> just not going to work out for. For somebody, uh, how do you how do you balance those two? Are you are you into the alternative approach that well maybe let's just step back and take a nap and reevaluate when we when we wake back up? Are you are you into that yeah. at all? You know, I I don't know. I I don't know. It, it's it's sometimes. I mean, I think that um, the more that you can have your footing in whatever you're trying to do, right? The more that you can make thoughtful decisions, right? Like I, I'm a huge, um, Buffett Munger devotee and, um, you know, they, they talk about, um, uh, laziness bordering on sloth can be the right decision in, in many situations. And I, and I agree, right? As long as you understand what you're doing, right? If you just have, if you're not in the game and you're lazy and you're sort of taking a step back and, and sort of letting things settle, um, you know, I think that's dangerous, right? I think that you can you can lose years and years of your life and sort of permanently put yourself on the sidelines. Um, but as long as you're in the game, as long as it's strategic, right? I, I heard uh, uh, somebody the other day, uh, I asked him what they were doing, and they said, I'm strategically unemployed. And I thought that was an interesting uh, hmm. way to describe it. Okay. Uh, they, 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 you know, they, they said, hey, look, I, I've, I've had different careers and I'm really taking a step back and really evaluating what I want to do. Um, I'm not just sitting on my ass. Um, I've got opportunities, but I'm just I'm letting kind of things shake out. And I thought that was a, you know, fair enough. That's good. Um, that's it's hard on an individual basis. Right. Like you only know what you're doing and it's really hard for other people to judge. Is that BS? Right. Like, you know, first thing when you said strategic unemployment, I was like, uh huh. Sounds <laughs> sound, sounds like you're just kicking back and being lazy. Right. And then as the words he described it, I was like, I'm actually I get what you're doing. Um, and so, again, not living for other people. Um, as long as you know what you're doing, I mean, do it. You know, only you know what's best. Exactly, and not living for other people, I think, is is the key because, you know, sure, that's a it's a nice line. Uh, I'm strategically unemployed, but and who cares what Brent thinks? You know what I mean? I don't know what the context right. of the conversation was, but as long as as that's the path that you want to go, and also, um, it, you talked about uh, Warren Buffett and, and um, his lazy uh, laziness born bordering could you say that one more time laziness yeah, bordering on uh, sloth of, on sloth <laughs> okay and he says that is often the correct way yeah. to well, do I mean, things so, so his argument is um that that especially in the investment business, there's going to be many times where um, there's no predictability to where things are going and there's not a lot of bargains out there. So as an investor, do you always have to be invested or are you willing to build cash and sit on the sidelines until something attractive comes along? And if that's two years or three years of sitting on the sidelines, um, is that a bad thing? right? Like generating zero returns for three years and then generating 300% returns the following five years. Is that like, that's a pretty good, the math works out. Um, but you just got to have confidence that sitting on the sidelines and not sort of, um, you know, doing anything. I, I, there's a quote that, that I, that I love that says uh, man's greatest sin is his inability to sit alone quietly in a room by himself. Right. Sure. Like, like it, just the ability to be calm and cautious um, when other people are losing their minds is something that's easier said than done, right? Um, I mean, the the 
uh, the Buffett quote that he gets quoted a lot for, you know, be greedy when others are fearful and fearful when others are greedy, right? It's easy to say, um, but uh, uh, it's really hard to do, so. Yeah, absolutely. And I just wanted to point out that uh, when people are so, uh, people are so anxious to get back in the game or to go after their next opportunity or, or whatever it is, that you, you mentioned uh, sitting on the sideline. Well, that's a really good way to put yourself on the sidelines because you stress, you know, you stress a bunch. Uh, trying to go after something that you you're, you know you're trying to force it. So I uh, exactly. yeah I really I really appreciate that. And um, Brent yeah I know we have to wrap up here in a uh, in a minute or two, but I gotta ask you uh, what you know if anybody listening out there wanted to be a freak of nature like Brent Dushore, <laughs> what's your one piece of advice for everybody? Uh, my one piece of advice. Uh, um, really try to get to the bottom of whatever you're trying to learn, right? Um, I, 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 um, I have the saying, make sure you hit bottom before you look up, right? I think it's easy to get an inch deep and sort of look up and think you know everything about a topic or everything about how life works. And um, um, the interesting thing about life is that it has a constant way of humbling uh, everyone, I think, um, and especially uh, those who feel pretty prideful. And so I would, uh, I would just encourage everyone, you know, if you're going to get into health and, and wellness or health and fitness and taking care of your body, like do a lot of research, read a lot of things. Don't, don't just take the skim version, uh, really find out for yourself. If you're going to study space travel, or if you're going to study, um, finance, like, you know, be a master, be really, um, be knowledgeable about something or about the topics that you really want to be an expert in and don't sort of, don't do the uh, glossy sort of armchair quarterback crap that, that most people do, um, I think would be my advice. Brent, you are a thoughtful human being and <laughs> we, are, we are lucky to have you. I, no, I really mean that. I really Matt, mean that. I, thank, yeah, thank you for coming I, on. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. And uh, if anybody wants to get in touch with me, um, at Brent Bishore on Twitter, um, happy to interact. Uh, shoot me in, you know, shoot me something on LinkedIn uh, and reference the podcast. Um, and uh, hopefully we can do this again sometime, Matt. Really yeah. appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds good, Brent. All right. Hey, talk to you later. Okay, bye. Bye. Hey, did you enjoy today's episode? If you did, I have a quick favor for you to ask. We are trying to spread the live different mentality, the mission right now, so other people can take advantage of all the stuff that you just got to hear about. If you could go to iTunes and leave a review and a rating, this will help us get on the iTunes new and noteworthy list, and that way a bunch more people can hear about what we do over here at the Live Different Podcast, so I really appreciate it. If you want to share it, please do. Give it to a friend in need. That is what we want to do, and uh, keep doing good stuff. I appreciate it. Thanks.